We don't do intros yet. Okay, you want an intro? Okay. No, that's what, kind what of, you okay, said. What kind of intro would you like? Like a formal no, one? Okay. that's fine. Whatever no. you said was fine. Let me I do it. I was just like, didn't know. And then I was like, okay, have we okay. started? <laughs> Let me do it. Let me do it. Okay. Let me do it. Welcome to the Mash Startup Podcast. <laughs> Is that what you want? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Let me do it in full. Okay. Welcome to the Mash Startup Podcast. Um, I am your host, Mashiru Mudao. Today, I have a really incredible guest. I say this every week because by their nature, entrepreneurs are incredible. But this is one of the most exceptional of them. Um, and I met her, I don't even remember when I met her, but it was like a really incredible moment where I was like, this is a person that knows what they are doing, why they're doing it, and how they're going to get it done. Um, her name is Busi. Uh, welcome, Busi. Hello, Mushiri. Was that the, the <laughs> intro you were expecting? Yes. I want to also be welcomed on the, <laughs> the MASH Startup Podcast like everyone else. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I've been waiting for this moment. I don't know how long, but I'm glad what? you invited me. I have asked to do this so many times and you're just like, ah, it's not the right time. I still need to fix some things. But that's the right time. That's okay, th- tell me why you felt like it wasn't the right time then, but it's the right time now. Yeah, I think I still had to figure a lot of things about myself. Um, I also had to figure out which way I want to go and what I want to do with the business, um, as well as find purpose. I think it sounds cliche, but we that generation of it's all about purpose. You want to wake up in the morning and feel like, you know, I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing or I'm doing what I like. Um, irrespective of what you get in return. There must be more um, from whatever... Why do you think we are like that? I mean, I agree completely, right? So I don't think I do, you know, the work that I do, whether in business or, like, the employment I have. Like, I don't think I would be able to do it if I didn't genuinely at a deep level, believe I was doing something meaningful. Exactly. But like, what is it in us? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the rebellion of trying to prove society that we are not that entitled generation. So we're rebellion. (laughs) We're rebelling to prove that we're not only about being entitled and that we can do it. Um, We can set our own goals, set our own dreams, build our own empires, no matter how long it takes. But um, I think now it's about brand me, 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 but me in a bigger context. It's about building me, okay. but me of impact. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, l- let's try and backtrack now. Um, when did you feel your entrepreneurship journey actually began? Uh, long ago. I've always uh, sold something, one thing or another. <laughs> um, I mean, like I grew up in Orlando uh, Gardens like uh, years ago, and I always ran as puzzle shop. So I've sold sweets, I've sold cans, even in school as part of the matric dance committee, Easter eggs. I used to catch all the parents in the morning as they drop off their kids, like, hi, would you like to buy Easter eggs for our fundraising? And the guys would be able to buy. Um, So it's always been something that's been ingrained in me. I don't think it's something that one was taught. I never grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so I'm kind of like... The rebel. <laughs> with the bigger Wait, so, so do you think that <laughs> entrepreneurs are born or made? I think it's a bit of both. I'm the one that was made. I was born one inside. <laughs> I made myself along yeah, the yeah. way. So I think it's a blend of both. I think it can be taught. 
um, but at the at the bottom, it's it's in the core. Like it's also about you and resilience and you making it and happen. But I mean, like from way back then at the fundraising, etc. And I think um, later on and being exposed, um, I was in corporate, so I got opportunity to travel all these countries. Well, a lot of countries and managed to cover like 21% of Africa amongst those travels. And through those travelings was, you see all these South African brands out there, but when you come into South Africa, you don't see the African brands except fabric. I'm truly believing that there's more to Africa than just, than just fabric. fabric. Um, so I think that's also where Love Tea Time kind of started and finding that box of Kirito Gold at the airport. Please, please tell that story because... <laughs> I mean, your business is in, you know, importing this amazing tea, which I love personally. Yes. <laughs> and I've consumed uh, copious amounts of it. Even in the office. <laughs> in the office, at home, <laughs> when you steal one tea bag, because you're just like, mm, I don't have this at home. Um, so how did you find this box? What did it feel like? Um, what was that journey? So funny enough, um, my husband is the tea lover or of the two of us and it was actually a gift for him on my way out of the airport from um, out of the Kenya Kenya airport and I bought him the gift I was like oh babes there's a gift for you and then I came across the apple and cinnamon flavor and I was like oh this is divine mm. and um, I love hot drinks but I'm lactose intolerant so I also want to enjoy a hot cup of something without okay. having to have milk <laughs> yes. and deal with the after effects of it um, so literally it started in that cup, in that tea bag. And I looked at the packaging and I was like, let me contact this company and find out how do I bring this into South Africa and just make something out of it. So you, you don't even, do you love tea? I love tea now. Now you love tea. <laughs> now I love tea time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you, you import this box. Yes. Um, obviously, firstly, as just a gift. Yeah. And how was it like getting the first set of it for your business? So funny enough, there's a guy who had the distributorship before. So um, when I reached out to the Kenyan company, they directed me to him. And um, initially, I then st started sourcing in-country. Um, so bought a couple, started with the gift boxes, and then went to one of the pop-up markets in Pretoria. So I'm all excited, Saturday morning, let's go sell. Set up my stall, calling customers, hi, I'm selling tea. And literally one hour passes, no one buys. The second hour passes, no one buys. The eighth hour, the first customer buys. Oh, wow. Till today, I remember my first customer. <laughs> I follow on Instagram. <laughs> Um, and that's when I made my first sale. After eight hours of trading, I was like, wow. I started even respecting break-even points because um, you're like, okay, is this how much effort it requires for you to just pay rent, let mm -hmm. alone cover the cost of the product? Um, and thereafter, it's just been iteration. So every market, I'd improve or do something different. So like the second market, I then introduced like cake and tea. So started pairing. Then the other markets, I found the kids to being a captive audience. So started doing iced tea and then started in, um, introducing individual flavors rather than the gift boxes because I found that, oh, okay, maybe someone only wants apple and cinnamon or only wants peach. Um, and that's how it kind of like grew step by step. 
um, and then did a couple of pop-up markets. I think now we've traded at over 250 pop-up markets Jeez. in over two years. I, actually, <laughs> I, I think of you, I think of you as like the, the, the market like queen because you understand which markets sell, which ones don't, yes. which ones work, which ones, like how do you make those um, decisions and how do you assess what's good for your business versus what's sort of trending in the, in the, in the, in the, you know, I don't know, the ether, I guess. Yes. So I think first of all is um, you must go as a patron. So before I even sign on that contract or dotted line and part with my hard-earned rental money, <laughs> I visit the market myself and I go there on a Saturday. I check out the demographic. Who goes to this market? What are they doing? Um, are these people that are shopping? So I look around. Do they have bags? Do they have paper bags? Do they have sports bags? Or are they the crowd that's just sitting, chilling, having cocktails and eating? Um, so that kind of gives me a feel. Is it a family-orientated market? Are they children? Is it uh, couples? And that kind of helps me assess um, whether or not this is a market to, to trade at. I also engage a lot with the other traders to find out um, from them how did it go today? Um, was it good sales? Was it not good sales? And that kind of helps me assess or select whether or not it's the right market. Do you think it's a good um, way to assess whether or not you have a good market to start off with, um, you know, pop-up markets and food markets and craft markets, just to test out your product, whether you're in food and bev, um, but especially food and bev, or maybe into retail or, or, or crafts, mm -hmm. do you think markets are a really great place to sort of learn Completely. whether or not you've got the right um, product? Completely. I think um, it's, first of all, it's barriers, the barriers to, empty, uh, barriers to entry are, are minimal. So you literally just find a market, pay your rent and start trading, right? Um, so it's, it's much easier than going into retail, for example. So in retail, you're going to supply the retailer, your product's going to sit there. You don't know who your customer is. At markets, I know who my customer is. I can profile you. So I know, for example, what flavors Pretoria likes. Pretorians love berries, whereas Joburg are more citrus and apple. You never want to get those kind of insights on a shelf. Mm. Um, you'll also get to see who is buying my product. Um, are they black? Are they white? Are they tall? Are they fat? You know, you get to see who is buying um, my product, which is quite cool because um, then you're able to know which areas to put which product line and which product line will sell well in which area. So I think pop-up markets are definitely um, the best way to start. And also it's, it's cheaper school fees because then you get to learn along the way rather than parting with um, money if you're going to go uh, I could have opened a tea shop and parted with 5,000 rand a month and panicked on where I'm going to get the revenue for that month but with pop-up markets it's like you can spread let's say that 5,000 rand budget over 10 or 20 markets and keep on trying in different places and locations until you find your own access to market formula What would you say has been like uh, a good indicator for you on what makes you know your tea different from everyone else? Like obviously, the, your growth journey is very different from, say, Roybos traditionally or Five Roses or oh, whatever. South else. Africans and their Roybos. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say is like the differentiating point that makes you go, you know what, this is the bet? Yeah. So definitely flavor. I think we are awesome when it comes to flavor. 
flavor from the smell, flavor from the taste, flavor from the experience. I mean, when you open that box and when you take out the tea bag that's sealed, you know, you have to literally unseal it. There's an experience. There's an experience that comes with, with the tea. Um, there's obviously then that story and you're going to look at your packaging and be like, oh, that came from Kenya. You now start to appreciate that Africa, you know, Africa has got things, um, mm. awesome things. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's learning what everyone else on this continent is doing and why not experience it over a cup of tea. Um, so definitely the flavor, more for flavor and variety. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you started off with the pop-up markets, but you've um, also gone, gone into retail, you've gone on to selling on to um, online platforms. Um, what was the journey going into retail versus um, selling direct at pop-up markets? Wow. Yeah, retail. <laughs> so retail is always a very interesting strategy. It took me two years to decide whether or not to go to retail. My husband's like, no, go into retail. And I was like, no, it's not working for now. Pop-up markets. And only a year later did I go into, into retail. But I think... Um, First of all, it was like the entry point. So approaching the store owner or approaching the manager, but it was through a referral. So first couple I tried, the guys were like, no. But then um, eventually I found my way. And luckily the, the one of the retailers has a couple of stores. So I didn't have to go sign up one, one, one store. I got like a nice bundle in different locations, Pretoria and Joburg as well. Um, but it's, it's different because it's also about invoicing. So in pop-up markets, I get to accept cash or I get to accept card payments or I get to accept QR um, and I get to accept it there and there. So, I mean, you've got all these fintech players, the likes of Yoyoko that are able to accept card at that market. So um, in retail, I don't I think, have that. <laughs> yeah. I think just... To jump on to that amazing uh, tagline that you just slipped in there. <laughs> um, so we are producing this podcast in partnership with Yoko. Okay, um, cool. um, and it's just amazing to think about just your journey um, with Yoko as well. Um, and it's, it, it's something so crazy to think about that small businesses thinking about how they should get paid is so difficult, right? Yes. It, it should be easy for small businesses to get paid. Yeah. And that's why Yoko uh, makes it s simple to get a card machine and start earning fast. There are no contracts, zero monthly fees, and the Yoko Point of Sale app comes free with your machine. Buy yours at yoko.com, use the promo code STARTMASH and get 500 Rand off your device. So that's just a nice little uh, gift that we are giving to that's other awesome. people as well. <laughs> so, um, Outside of retail, yes. what was your experience with Take A Lot, for example? So, um, amazing. I think it's the best thing that I ever did. The journey to get on took very long because I had to do a product uh, lookup sheet where I had to capture literally every single individual product, the barcode, the specification, and um, submit that online. So it was a long vetting process, but eventually um, I was able to get my product um, online. So the really cool thing about it is that as a sole proprietor, you, um, and I'm based in Kauteng, I can only go as far as my body can take me. So the likes of your tech lot, which have a huge distribution network, 
enabled me to grow my business without me having to grow my staff complement or grow my expenditures because I literally someone orders I put a label on drop it off at the DC and they deliver it um, to the customer yeah. so now I've been able to service people that are in Durban people that are in Cape Town people that are in Gauteng so expanded your reach like insanely right exactly and also data so the data that I get from that platform is absolutely amazing knowing that which products people are buying which area people um, are buying which area these people are based in who are buying the product. Um, so that's been really, really cool. And the funny thing is that um, when I started with the business, I did the gift boxes and then eventually started fizzling, fizzling them out. And then when I went onto e-commerce, then the gift boxes started doing better than the individual boxes. So I literally had to go back to my original business <laughs> model. <laughs> so now I'm like learning um, a lot of things, learning promotions, learning price points, price point sensitivity. At what point are customers willing to pay for a box of tea? Um, so, which is quite cool. What would you say has been like one of the best uh, marketing sort of methods you've used to grow this business? Uh, the pop-up market, still by far, because you're there. So, people who've met me at one market and see me at another one will be like, oh, I've seen her, I know her, she's the tea lady. <laughs> the tea lady. <laughs> the tea lady. <laughs> so that's the new title, I'm the tea lady. Um, so I think that that face-to-face, -face, being there, being present, definitely. I think also the take-a-lot stuff, because um, if you search tea or hot beverages, they now start doing targeted marketing, so somehow the box of tea always flashes. Pops up. Pops up, <laughs> so people now just click and buy, which is also really quite cool. Um, which is the marketing that they kind of do for me because of the fees that you pay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but it's worthwhile, um, which is quite cool. And then also um, social media. I'm still not. I'm convinced, but also not convinced. Um, I think when I do promo adverts, I do see the return. If I've promoted a particular product, then I now start seeing like sales of that one. But likes don't buy the product. So that's one thing I've learned. I'm oh, still, that's, that's powerful. Still waiting. <laughs> likes still waiting, don't buy <laughs> waiting for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you also pivoted into building out a new platform called Inclusion. Yeah. Um, which is a magazine. I actually don't want to like ruin it with my <laughs> description what is inclusion so for me it's all it's a i'll call it the corporate term thought leadership publication on <laughs> um so yes so it's definitely um all about documenting this tea journey and inclusion is um you know there's this awesome quote which i really love by Werner Myers, um which is Diversity is um, being invited to the party, party, T-E-A. Um, <laughs> and inclusion is being asked to dance. And as Africans, we love dancing. You know, it's just part of our being. And that's what inclusion is all about. So for me, it was including people in entrepreneurship, telling you that you don't just make a million overnight. You start somewhere. You start by selling that one box of tea, which is what I had documented, to now being able to be in retail, being in your e-commerce uh, platforms, trading at over 200 pop-up markets, etc. But I'm growing. Not a millionaire in terms of the business, but I'll get there. So it's, it's like baby steps. So that part of inclusion is driving that economical inclusion, educating people. How do you access markets? Um, how do you get your product out there? How do you scale without having to ex um, increase your ex budgets or your expenses, etc., etc.? 
And then there's also obviously like the financial component. Um, I come from a very payment background. So I've done the e-wallets and the QRs of the world and the locations of the world, the Yokos of the world. You know, like I've done payments. And um, for me, it's getting people also to be digitally and financially included. How do you pay using this tech, this phenomenal tech that is out there? How do you as a business not miss out on sales because you don't have a point of sale device? Do you think most businesses are conscious of how important that is for them? Yes and no. I think the ones that are left behind, we need to bring them aboard. (laughs) That's the first part. But why, why, why are they left behind? Like, is there a lack of education, lack of knowledge, a lack of awareness? Yeah. Like, are the, you know, where's the disconnect coming from? So I think it's a blend also of fear. So once people, I believe in demoing, you know, once I've shown you how something um, works, then you get that, oh, wow. And then people are kind of sold. So I think it, for me, it's that consumer education. Once they start seeing more people using something, then it starts becoming cool and trendy and, you know, um, adoption starts increasing. Um, so And also word of mouth. If I tell you that I use it then I, and you trust me, then you're probably going to get it as well. But I also think from a business perspective is why must I get this? And for me, you're getting it because you don't want to miss that sales opportunity. If you have cash and someone comes and buys, they will only buy 100 rand worth of whatever it is that you're selling. But if you have that form of digital payment, oh, the, the world, world is the opens oyster, up. <laughs> depending on the person's bank balance. <laughs> so the ability for you as an SME to cross-sell is much bigger. You know, I'd be like, oh, don't, are you sure you don't want to add another gift for your mom, your dad? And it's like, oh, yeah. Do you take cards? Can I swap? Yes. And then, you know. <laughs> so that's what I, I, I love about it. And I think that's what inclusion encompasses, is bringing everyone on board bringing that cultural inclusion part is in that tea that that kenyan experience in south africa just in a hot cup Mm. you know what i mean um that financial part accepting those digital payments in the business the gender part i'm a female i am a feminist and i'm all for female entrepreneurs (laughs) so that gender inclusion the racial inclusion i'm a black female so i want black people to thrive i want us to grow and i want us to work together to support each other um and that's what inclusion encompasses so part of that entrepreneurship guide there's actually a section where i feature other entrepreneurs from architects to fintechs who've also shared their stories and their tips of what their challenges were and starting a business and their experiences and how they can encourage other entrepreneurs about their journeys and etc. So yeah, that's what inclusion is all about. So <laughs> what was that journey like, right? So you've played, you know, I always think of the ecosystem as different roles, right? Yeah. Everyone starts as an entrepreneur and then sort of there's the end of it, which is you are a practitioner that helps entrepreneurs as much as possible. Yeah. So now you're playing on both sides, right? Which is you're really trying to include as many people as possible in the entrepreneurship ecosystem mm-hmm. to learn as much as possible about the resources that exist. But you're also on an entrepreneur yourself and you're trying to gain access to as many resources as possible yeah. and build out your business. Like, what is it like to dance between those two things? Fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's fun, it's exhausting, but it's 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 really worth it. Um, and I think because of the people you get to meet. So a whole part of this is also about the people. We are, at the end of the day, technology can take over, but it's all about the people, the people that you get to meet, people you get to connect with. Um, so, I mean, like, inclusion grew to beyond the book. When um, I remember came January this year, and I started panicking, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I've left corporate. I've got bills to pay. What did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> How can I now make inclusion make money? <laughs> and I think it kind of made me sit and then branch out into, okay, so I've got these payment skills. Um, I've got this entrepreneurship thing. How do I bring these two together and actually then start monetizing it? And then that's where I started consulting to fintechs out there on payment strategies, on business development, on growing. So now it's kind of bringing those two things together mm. um, just in a different form. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what it's all about. This has been amazing. Yes. But the final question... <laughs> What do you think has been the biggest challenge about starting your business and growing it? Um, debt collection. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird answer. <laughs> Come on, I need a... No, definitely. Debt collection? Oh, no, definitely. Okay. I think there's one thing. With Break it down for Submitting me. invoices and waiting for payment. <laughs> It's one of those things that can actually make or break entrepreneurs and, and, and make you um, think, you know, what have I done? How am I going to get um, income or pay for whatever expenses? I think that's been one of the biggest, bigger challenges and the biggest challenge um, is people or businesses or whatever the case may be not paying, let's say, invoices on time. I mean, um, small businesses, it's one of the biggest challenges. It's one of the biggest struggles. And I think as a society, it's one thing we must work on and improve on in paying small businesses on time. What, why do you like think it's such a problem systematically? Employees or whatever yeah, pay definitely. small businesses like, what, on time. <laughs> why, why do you feel like it's such a, a thing? You know, I've experienced it in my business. Yes. My friends who own businesses have experiences. In their, like, literally, it's always a... Oh no, I haven't gotten paid. Yes. Or yes. someone needs to pay me before I can do this and do that. Like, why is this something that corporates feel like, oh, 90 days is fine? Yes, yeah. No, I really don't know, but it has to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a legacy that is, is not good um, and is not going to take us forward as a nation, but um, definitely something we have to work on. Um, but I think. For me is, with all of that being said, is all about um, resilience. Um, it's all about waking up in the morning and just pre pressing reset. You know, if yesterday didn't work out, you're like, okay, let me try something differently today. I think today will be the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's all, it's, 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 a, it's a journey. Um, it's not a destination. And I think that's one thing that one has to get to terms with, that it's not going to, the miracles are not going to happen overnight. We, we're building something. We're building out a legacy. You're building out something that you value. Um, and you want to leave something behind for your future generations. You know what I mean? I think we always look at uh, LinkedIn profiles. We're so fixated about the companies we've worked for, the titles we've held before. I mean, if I introduce myself and I say, Hi, I'm Busi and I'm a manager at Corporate X. You already hold me at high esteem. Yeah. The day that um, title dropped to, Hi, I'm Busi, I'm, I sell tea, huh? 
the reaction is like completely, completely different. different. So I think it's 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 um, the 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 best part of that entrepreneurship journey was also framing that I'm so busy. It doesn't matter if I've got the manager title or I'm the tea lady. Respect me for who I am. Um, and and I think that's what we must start nurturing. What brands are we building? Are we building our own brands? Are we living, leaving legacies? Um, are we finding purpose in whatever we do that um, every morning, etc.? So I think, um, yeah, that's that sums it up. <laughs> I hope it does. Thank you so but, much. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Cool. Thank you. Now you've got your intro and your outro. <laughs>